0: White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 On Sox. Sox.
1: The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Santos
0: Those two are like a tag team, you know? I'm with these girls outside of Chicago. What a fantastic turn of events if you love the Chicago White Sox. And I'm falling in love by the breath Oh yeah, you love it. Hello and welcome back to Locked on Sox. I am Herb Lawrence. Uh, Alongside me is Chris Tannehill. We are Locked on Sox. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Sox. On Instagram, Locked on Sox. Also, and if you want to email us, this is the Mailbag Monday show. I love email. Yes. Lockedonsocks at gmail.com. That was the voice of Chris Tannehill. How are you doing today,
1: Chris? Good, good. How was your Valentine's Day, by the way? We did not uh, address that in the last episode, but how was it? Everything good?
0: Yeah, it was all good. We went back to her hometown of St. Charles, the Tri-Cities, as I like to call it. I've named that only myself. I don't understand that. I don't yes. think our listeners I, will either. Other oh, people in the Tri-Cities do understand that. <laughs> okay. Um, And Geneva and had a good uh, dinner where we usually have our anniversary slash uh, New Year's dinner at a place called the Walrus Room. Delicious. Oh,
1: cuckoo, cuckoo, mm. Mm, look at you. Um, we went and got a heart-shaped pizza. I did see course. that. Of course, mm. it was delicious. Um, one of the many Chicago pizzerias that offers up the heart-shaped pizza, it's Uh, You know, you got to wait for a little bit if you want a heart-shaped pizza, but it was was worth the wait, you know. They give you enough bread while you're waiting for it, you'll be fine. Um, And then, of course, we got the heart-shaped cake from Portillo's, which they are not advertisers. Maybe they'd like to jump on board one of these days, but when I say heart-shaped cake, you guys know what I'm talking about anyway, so we got one of those to wash it all down. So it was Chocolate lovely. Cake? Of course, yeah. It was lovely. Lovely Valentine's Day. Now, today, in addition to being the mailbag uh, episode for Mailbag Monday, sometimes on a different day of the week, that's what we're officially calling it, it is episode number 22, and we've got a conundrum here, Herbie, for episode
0: 22. Not for me, friends. Go ahead, though. <laughs> no, All right, well. Well, I know who you're thinking about. I know I'm not even looking at that list. I have a person in mind, but I know exactly who you're looking for. One of my favorite players of all time. I'm, I'm just going to guess. You want to name it Jose Valentin.
1: Uh, absolutely not, even though it was Ooh. Valentine's Day, as uh, I think I think it was Sox Nerd pointed out on Twitter. Happy Valentine's Day with a picture of Jose Valentine. Wow. Um, no, it was not. And it is not uh, Scott Potsednik wow. either. Yeah. We, like I was saying, we have a conundrum here today. You want to know why? Oh. It's because number 22 was shared, and I never realized this until today. It, number 22 was shared by two of our favorite people.
0: Oh yes, they I had know.
1: the same number, not at the same time, but Ed Farmer and Darren Jackson both sported number twenty-two, one of the best-looking numbers uh, for the White Sox in two different eras, and thus I don't know. what I think we'll just name the episode Ed and DJ. I think that that that's worked, yeah, that's th- fine that by me. That worked for us. So Ed Farmer. War number 22 for the Sox from 1979 to 1981, where in 1980, he was an American League All-Star. That game taking place at Dodger Stadium. The American American League lost 4-2. to Ed Farmer pitched two-thirds of an inning. He was basically coming in to clean up Tommy John's mess. He's the one that took the loss in that game. Sucks. And <laughs> Ed Farmer faced Dave Winfield, who... Uh, uh, reached on an error to of Willie Randolph. Thank you very much, Willie Randolph, who had two errors in that ball game. And then Farmer faced Keith Hernandez, who singled. But then Ed Farmer, our guy Farmio, got bum ass Pete Rose to ground into an inning-ending <laughs> double play. The worst. Uh, <laughs> so Farmer, uh, you know, had had no runs given up in the 1980 All Star Game. American League loss. no run support for the AL that day, four to two. So shout out to our guy Ed. Who who we enjoy so much uh, on the White Sox uh, radio broadcast, folks. Put your seatbelts on. This could be a bumpy ride. So, and also his broadcast partner Darren Jackson wore number twenty two as well for the White Sox in two different seasons, nineteen ninety four. Which, if you don't remember DJ in nineteen ninety four, it was a great free agent acquisition for the Sox that year. DJ in 400 at bats before the strike-shortened season ended in 1994. Can I guess what he hit? Go ahead. Yeah. I I only only have uh, average and OBP for DJ because he wasn't a power guy. So or
0: 316 and 400.
1: Close. He hit 312 and got on base at a 362 clip. Okay. So a pretty good year for a guy that wasn't necessarily playing every day, uh, Darren Jackson. So shout out to our guy DJ. What is going on here? Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. So number 22, the dual 22s, two of our favorite people uh, in the entire world, Ed and DJ, share number 22 for the White Sox. And one quick Ed Farmer memory real quick. One of my favorite things that has ever been on the radio Ever, mm-hmm. not just on a White Sox radio broadcast, but just on the radio ever. I don't know if you worked with me that night, but it was the night of uh, of Michael Jackson's funeral
0: uh, in Los Angeles, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure. So that's 2009. I was back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I. I had to, yeah.
1: Yeah, so Ed Farmer, you know, we were playing uh, Michael Jackson bumpers, uh, bumpers are music beds, uh, into each each inning that night. So we were playing Ed Farmer beds and, of course, oh, not Ed Farmer beds. Yeah. So Ed Farmer beds like Sticks and uh, yeah. the, the group Chicago. Renegade. We were, we were playing Michael Jackson beds. So the and, sounds of Renegade. And Farmio gave us this classic gem. The king of pop was a musician. I love this work. The other things, not so much. Allegedly. <laughs> um, that I, To this day, I, every time I hear it, it's it's oh. so funny, and I wait for that allegedly that he says at the end. I just, I'm like a little kid on Christmas oh just waiting for that allegedly at the end. He's like, yeah, the other stuff, yeah. Not the, so the much. Yeah. Not so much, friends. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep it the other but, stuff yes yeah. the three two but still he, he, he created off the wall so yeah.
0: what are you gonna
1: do you know it's so uh, on a
0: long one there's another home run for jason Google.
1: <laughs> that's right yeah no no scouting report on jason Google in, in those days but yeah shout out to ed and dj sharing number 22 for this week's mailbag monday episode of locked on socks so let's get to our first you have anything else you want to add about ed and dj sorry ed, ed, oh ed, ed, no <laughs> uh,
0: great guys i mean I think I've told this story before, but uh, me and Melissa, uh, Melissa Holmes now, uh, Melissa Michaels at the time, we went on a baseball trip and we went to New York. I I said if the White Sox ever go to New York without playing the Yankees, it'll be the first time ever they've done that. And so I think it was either 2007 or 2009, one of the two years. Um, so I was like, I'm going. And nine, then, I think it was nine, 2009. Because I remember we had went to Kansas City. Me, you, and Brenda had gone to Kansas City for that weekend. It was like a Friday. They got snowed out. Sun- Saturday went to the game. Sunday we did, and we drove back. This
1: was 2013 in Kansas City. We were there, so maybe it was after going to go into New York. Was it? Yeah. Was it that year? Yeah. Okay,
0: I thought it was earlier than that, but neither, neither. never mind on that. But it was the first time the White Sox had ever gone to New York, ever gone to New York without playing the Yankees. And so... Um, we flew out there. They got tickets. Uh, I think Pete Traeger, the engineer, got us tickets, or the White Sox got us tickets in the player section. We went up to the booth to say what's up to Pete Traeger, who is the engineer, always does uh, New York games, either if we do the Knicks or the Nets or Mets games that time, or Yankees games usually. And so he got us up there, said what's up to Ed and DJ. It was late in the game. It was the game where, um, Uh, what was it Harvey versus Santiago. Hector's from uh, Jersey, so he had a bunch of people there. Harvey was dealing. His only hit he gave up was a dribbler to Alex Rios, who beat it out. If we had replay back then, he would have been out because I, from my seat, thought he was out. It was, like, in the middle of the game, so it was like, you know, no one— thought it was going to be a no-hitter that day, but he one-hit the White Sox that day. I think the Mets won either which, in the which ninth.
1: Which was the custom at the time to one-hit the White Sox.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think the White Sox won. I mean, the Mets won either in the ninth or the walk-off in the extras uh, to win that game. But we went up there late. It was like the eighth inning. We're about to bounce out, and Ed and DJ were like, hey, where are you guys staying? We're like, well, upper Manhattan or uh, right north of the Central Park area. And they're like, "All right, you want us to take you home?" It's like, "Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah." And so they get in the rental car after the game. Ed's driving. DJ's in the passenger seat. Melissa and I are in the back. So I'm right behind Ed in the in the driver's side of the vehicle. And he's just talking about stories. And then DJ's like, "You were saying?" Yeah. DJ's like, "Are you gonna slow down?" face or something like that sorry you know breaking you know the fourth wall but you know they he had a nice banter about himself that never was serious but they would talk to each other in a way that was like uh i mean you
1: talk to like you talk they talk to each other in a way like you talk to your to your significant other because they're keep in mind i mean not only are they doing 162 baseball games a year for you know th- three hours a clip but then you got the pre and post game stuff the time on the on the on the on the uh team flight, checking into a hotel. I mean, you're spending more time than you are with your significant others, so you're going to talk to
0: them in a certain way. It's just funny. They have a good banter. It's hilarious. That's one of the reasons why I love both of them, because the off-air stuff is just so great. It's doing games like this, you get to meet the people, the real people, not the guys that you hear on the air. It's just They're great people. So uh, Ed's driving like a maniac. He's driving (laughs) fast as hell. I'm not scared, but it's, you know, he's in New York. He's he's taking care of business out there. He's driving faster than New Yorkers. Yeah, the sounds of
1: Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yeah. Yeah.
0: If you've (laughs) ever been to New York, you know how fast they drive. He's of those people and driving a little faster than them. So he drops DJ off mid Manhattan, wherever their fancy hotel is. We're still like 40 blocks north. And so it's just Melissa and I in the back seat. Uh, like getting chauffeured by Ed Farmer to our hotel on the uh, upper, I think, east side or just north of uh, Central Park. And he's just telling us good stories, and he's talking to us about how the White Sox are doing that year. I don't know how they did that year. Probably crappy. Santiago did well that game in particular, where it's like, man, Matt Harvey's going to be a star for years to come. Andrews uh, ran into him, so you can see the volatility of pitchers. But it was just a great time meeting the people that we got to work with every day and you know from that i have a great memory of those two just how they interact and how they interacted with us and gave us a ride home where they didn't have to you know they know me from the radio and met like met me like three times maybe they didn't have to do that. They were just very nice on the road and not very nice when we did games. So Yeah, there
1: there are people's even though, you know, they they give a shit to this day because, you know, we work at the Cubs flagship. So like whenever we, you know, pop up to the booth up there, they'll always give us a hard time, you know, saying, you know, Oh, you get you know, you're not wearing your Cubs hats today, stuff like that. But I have photos of ed and dj with us and in, in my home um We're in I, you know consider them friends and when we saw him in pittsburgh ed was wearing his notre dame catholics versus convicts shirt so that you know it was just it's just pitch perfect but yeah
0: we've saw them three different places on the road there pittsburgh i've seen him in new york and then we saw him in kansas city yeah oh quality stories yeah. you can't tell those on yeah there. we cannot oh, but god, god
1: willing we'll see him in san francisco as well Mercy. but yeah so i just want to say a quick thank you to everyone who supported the podcast early on um because we found out this week uh that we have moved on up a, a little bit in the uh, podcast rankings We didn't uh, came up champ exactly apple podcast has us placed uh we've moved up 40 spots in the baseball podcast section to number six in overall baseball podcast so thank you very much uh you know locked on socks fans supporters thank you for for rating, subscribing, you know, you know, spreading word of mouth, sharing on social media, we can't thank you uh, enough from the bottom of our hearts, and we hope you continue to tell people because that's how these things snowball. You know, you, you know, the whole tell two friends mentality, and we, we want to thank you so much. And you know, we're, we're gonna keep grinding all season long. We'll be here five times a week once the games start going. So hopefully, we'll we'll uh, move up to that number one spot.
0: Yeah, there's um, nothing more to say than thank you. You yes. guys have been listening. From the beginning, and I think the addition of Chris Tanhill and you know he's humble so he will you know not you know deflect this he'll deflect this but this hang on, addition hang on, of herbie ha- asked me after the parade <laughs> All right. yeah so he'll deflect this but yes, having him having structure, having somebody to bounce ideas off of the rapport that we have, I hope that you guys are enjoying what we're talking about but this is mailbag Monday. if you have any suggestions, any questions, that you want us to answer, we're here for you. So we appreciate you listening. Hopefully you tell a friend that's a White Sox fan or just a fan of good conversation. I think that's what we have here on Locked on Sox. And I appreciate you guys who started at the beginning with just me and then the the guest that came on. And then having Chris here makes this show that much better. Like the production's great, the structure's great, the conversation's great, and we're having a great time meeting up and talking just to each other, and hopefully you're listening and nodding your head along the way. If you have something that you know sparks your interest, you jot that down. When you get to your destination, you send us that text or you send us that email at lockedonsocks.com, and we'll answer it here on Mailbag Monday.
1: No doubt about it. So moving up 40 spots uh, up the podcast rankings. That didn't take long. And thank you for that. So we'll get into the first email. It's from uh, it's from Tommy. At Hot Take Tommy on Twitter, yo yo yo, Herb and Tanny. We all know that Renteria is the golden boy of this front office, so he's not going anywhere. That being said, in a perfect world, would you rather have Rocco Baldelli, the new manager from Minnesota, or Ricky Renteria driving the boat? I'ma hang up and listen to your answer. That's Hot Take. To- Sorry, excuse me, Hot Take Tommy. Um, okay, let's just break this down uh, line for line. He says that Ricky Renteria is the golden boy of this front office. I'm, I'm not sure about that. Me either. Renteria was not a guy that started with the White Sox. He was the perfect fit when they launched this rebuild. You know, Time will tell whether or not he'll be the perfect fit for a championship caliber ball club. We'll probably know by the end of the year how, how he manages this team because he's got a pretty competitive roster that should be in contention all year. So I don't know if he's the golden boy per se. I think if... If something happened where there was a, there was a Jim Boylan type uh, upheaval uh, inside the the organization, and all of a sudden the players soured on Ricky, I don't think they have a whole lot of loyalty towards him. Although, but you all. know he he ate shit for a lot of years with all, with these bad rosters. So I think you know they do owe him a little you know a little bit of leeway in terms of. Uh, uh, the roster and, and what they're going to do this year. I'm not saying they should, you know, catapult him if they're, you know, they if they start, you know, below 500 entering May, you know what I mean? Like that would not be ideal, but, you know, I think he deserves a little more lee- leeway than that. Um, so I don't know if I agree with the fact that you say he's not going anywhere. I think if, if, if they kind of fall on their face this year or even if they – You know, compete until late August and kind of fall apart in September. I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden you slide Ozzie Guillen in there to an improved team next year. Like, let's say they're in the Mookie Bet sweepstakes and you have an even better roster, or some of these guys start to come up in the in the the starting rotations a little deeper. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in like a known commodity like an Ozzie Guillen or something like that to to take over a, a, a ball club that's already built to win. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. So I'm not so sure if Renteria is like a made guy the way the way you say it but you ask if we rather have Rocco Baldelli than Ricky Renteria and maybe we'll have to ask the On Twins podcast guys what they think of Rocco Baldelli but what do you think of when you think of Rocco Baldelli uh, as a manager
0: oh okay I was like Rocco <laughs> Baldelli the only thing I think about is so
1: he's still like if he grabbed a bat against the White Sox they still couldn't get him out that's no. how I feel about him
0: as a player I think either it was either North or a Batacola would play the uh, How Lucky Can One Guy Be music. I think uh, it was, was it Jay hood Oh, was it might have been? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Rocco Baldelli. I don't know if that's racist or not. But seriously, uh, I don't know. Um, maybe I uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever followed me or listened to me, I don't care necessarily about managers as far as wins and losses, and that's the main goal, I guess of baseball and now all the sports I care about what managers do as far as keeping the locker room together keeping the clubhouse together Uh, strategy if in American League is very few things you have to do on strategy one thing you don't want to do is take away runs especially early in the game so bunting costs you runs in the long run so Ricky irritates me in that regard I think the White Sox hold a record for having two guys who batted In the cleanup spot last year, who were eventually DFA'd, Yonder Alonso and AJ Reed, both batting in fourth.
1: Yeah. I'll never remember that name. If the White Sox are are hoisting the World Series trophy like two years from now or whatever it's going to be, will he get a ring? I'll never remember the name AJ Reed. Like, if you have a sporkle, fill out the 2019 White Sox, uh, you know, 25 man roster. I'll never remember that We name. had
0: to go through the AJ Reeds to get to these <laughs> championships that we're eventually going to get to. But I, you know, there's a big hubbub about, I think it was uh, Contreras last year. This year, Almora. This year, Baez saying, you know what? We weren't like really prepared for games. We weren't doing the things that we needed to do before the games to get ready. I partly blame Joe Madden for that, partly. But most of the blame goes for the players. Because if I'm going to give him most of the credit, I'm going to give him most of the blame when things go wrong. I'm a guy who thinks that in baseball specifically, not this doesn't carry over to all the rest of the sports. Baseball specifically, your development is not done at the major league level, but you're pretty much a finished product. It's an individual sport played with the inside of a team concept. So you, yourself, know what you have to do. You know your swing. You know how you got to get ready for defensive purposes pitching is a little bit different but for hitters that hitting coach is very very he's there for if you need like some advice some tips he's not going to you and say hey man you need to change your swing to this that and the other he's saying you know if you want my help I can help you type of thing Um, so you know as an adult what you need to do to get ready for the game to get yourself mentally prepared the manager is there just to help that along Keep the peace between you and the rest of the team. Create an atmosphere that is conducive to you winning. And, yes, he does have to set the tone for the rest of the team. But, ultimately, it is on you to make sure that you get your job done. You're the individual. So, Rocco Baldelli or, or getting uh, Ricky Renteria doesn't matter to me. What matters is you're not losing games for your team. You're not putting your team in the worst situation by bunting all the time and things like that. So it's negligible to me. If they bring an Ozzie back, I love that because the good quotes, pre and post, Ricky's boring as hell, except until he got spicy at SoxFest. Like, if that Ricky's going to show up, give me that Ricky, baby. Exactly. Red-ass Ricky? Yes. Yeah.
1: So when I think of Rocco Baldelli, in short, I think of uh, a guy who had a team full of mashers uh, in a season where the ball was juiced, but he did didn't get in their way. So he'll have to show me, you know, what what he does this season if the Twins can back it up with another strong year, then I could probably give you a more educated opinion on Rocco Baldelli because like you said, a lot of this is about individual player accountability and when Tim Anderson showed up for spring training uh, this week, he had some uh, interesting quotes about expectations, and and I think it starts with the players. And speaking of spring training, we want to thank our longtime sponsor, longtime for his, you know in terms of this podcast, the Arizona Office of Tourism. Guys, it's not too late; you still got another solid month plus to mm-hmm. get out to Arizona and experience some of this great spring training atmosphere. You can see 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, and, of course, uh, the idyllic 75-degree temperatures, in uh, weather every day-ish, you know, uh, seldom cold. Like, you, you know, early in the day it gets cut, you know, but 75 pretty much throughout. You know that's your baseline. Yeah, I know. It's, it's
0: perfect. Yeah, I know yesterday on Sunday everybody was happy. Happy in Chicago's like thirty five degrees. Yeah. yeah. Imagine if you're out in seventy five you'll be in heaven
1: yeah and you'll be in heaven also if you're from Chicago because you'll find out once you get there that there's so many great restaurants and bars nearby a lot of them which you know are Chicago based restaurants so mm-hmm. I think they had that in mind when, when they built the Scottsdale area like you know for Chicago retirees it's like it's a so it's many Like down the one guy showed up from Chicago was like hey where's all this stuff today like <laughs> and then they just like you know brought everything and then you know it, it's it's really nice uh, so if you miss some of the, uh, the local fair here in Chicago they have a lot of it out there. Um, great live music from many different local and national artists. And if you got kids, or you know, there's not just baseball. You can explore many great museums and and check out a lot of the native heritage stuff uh, and local arts and things like that. Um, and if you're, if you like to get out in the wild a little bit, if you like to be adventurous, um, you got the great Camelback mountain out there. Arizona has plenty of great landscapes and lots of thrilling outdoor activities for you and the whole family. So, you know, like I said, I got a kid and I'd love to get out there this year because it's the best chance where you can get up close and personal with the players before the real thing starts. You know, I remember from when I was a kid, my kid's not really into autographs just yet. She's a little young for that, but I remember being a kid, you know, trying to get a Frank Thomas's autograph, and you're just like, you know, the, especially the popular players. You're, you know, I know the Sox do a great job of getting the players out there on Sundays, but it's it's not easy. And you know, I was I was that kid who had his heart broken a lot, uh, you know, trying to get an autograph when I was like seven, eight, nine years
0: old. But you remember those players forever. I remember Mark Shanowski to this day because I got his autograph. <laughs> wow, Mark Chasnowski. Yeah, wow. he's like, you know, pl- you know, I'm not a name. You know, I'm not a player. I was like, yeah, I know exactly who you are, Shaznaz
1: Yeah. So spring training is a great opportunity to meet a lot of these players up close and personal you have a little more room to spread around get some autographs and and meet some of the players have a little more time with them um it's a it's a much easier environment to get to know uh some of your favorite players and get get to see them up close and personal so it's not never too late you still got a good solid month to get out there to arizona Dodgers and White Sox, they share a facility. Dodgers are going to be a great team this year. They're going to have 100-plus wins. Lots of star power over there. You can see the newly acquired Mookie Betts, for example, and you know see him go up against Dallas Keuchel of the White Sox. We've and
0: Cody Bellinger, spicy Cody Bellinger this week. Oh, Cody Bellinger, the he had The NL thoughts. MVP.
1: He really did. So it's a great family environment. I remember when I went there, You know, as a baseball fan, too, you go there and you go to these, you know, big facilities where multiple teams are at or I was at the Cubs facility and you get to see the backfields. To me, that's where it kind of all sinks in and where you can really maximize your experience. They've got the backfields where you can see some of these international free agent signings like, you know, the fresh you know, this is their first time in, in America for a lot of these kids and they're on the backfields competing against each other. And you can see, you know, GMs and, and scouts all there watching them and you can just walk up and, and just kind of see it. It's like the most purest way to take in a baseball game because there's it's they're not really keeping score in a way like the, 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 the other fields are where, you know, they're televised or on radio mm-hmm. and you can, they keep records of that. This is just kids playing ball, you know, and you get to see some of your favorite players, you know, future favorite players before you anyone knows who they are. And it's, it's a cool bragging mechanism with your friends like, oh, I remember seeing that guy in the backfields uh, in Arizona when I went there. You so, could be a
0: baseball hipster.
1: Exactly. And who doesn't like being that? So, again, plan your spring training getaway. Now visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Thank you to the Arizona Office of Tourism. Let's get on to the next email. This one is from Mike. Mike says, love the podcast, guys. (laughs) Thank you very much. I've been in since Ozzie Guillen's episode and looking forward to baseball season.
0: That's episode number 13 for you guys don't know. Yes, exactly. Uh, I
1: have some San Francisco recommendations, which we mentioned uh, a couple podcasts ago, and we'll get to more of those later. But I want to know how you guys deal with friends who are unwilling to enter the discussion about modern baseball and analytics. I'm in a text chain with some longtime friends, and it is littered with antiquated thinking, unrealistic trade proposals, and love. Love for terrible players and prospects. I know they love the team, but sometimes I just want to slap the shit out of them. Oh, hang on! Now look here. I don't like that kind of talk. Now just stop it. It upsets me. Let's clean it up, Mike. <laughs> you know, hold hold yourself to a better standard than we hold ourselves. So, <laughs> so yeah. So there's a, there's a lot to unpack here. I think basically when you're talking about fandom, uh, over loving. Uh, Players and prospects—that's that's something that you're gonna experience with. I think pretty much any fan of any team. I don't think that's just necessarily a White Sox thing, but that's what we do as baseball fans. We we overvalue uh, your players and you undervalue other teams' players. So I don't think that's ever gonna go away. Now, personally, me, I'm not a huge analytics guy. I mean, when when me I say either. that, when I say that, I, I you know, I'm not trying to undermine it at all, but it's just like it's not the first. Um, it's not my my initial reflex when when talking about baseball players and and things like that. I don't immediately default to numbers um, just because I'm not that smart. So, you know, I got into radio and <laughs> because I'm not good at math, but I understand that it is. An incredibly valuable tool and it's not just a tool it's kind of just the the baseline knowledge level of the whole entire industry and it's important to be on top of it but you know I like to rely on what I'm seeing with my eyes what I hear people talking about so you know it's just one of those things that you'll never hear me spout um you know rhythms in not rhythms, but algorithms yeah. or rotations on on a on a fastball like you know, it's interesting to me, but I'll never be able to sound genuine quoting those those figures so I'm not gonna I'm just gonna be me but i will I'm trying to be better about it for the purposes of this podcast because it's a huge part of baseball, and that's not really going anywhere,
0: yeah, you gotta maybe have them be open minded ask them who their favorite player is and then show them the new new, they're not really new. They've been around forever. They're just, you know, much more popular than we were. And what we learned, we learned that average and home runs and RBI were the the gold standard, and wins for pitchers were the gold standard. Nowadays, as Maya Angelou has once said, once you know better, you do better. So once you know that RBIs are not a huge stat and don't tell you a lot about that player in particular, they're more of a team generated stat. You look for other things to see what type of player that guy is. So if this player, like we're on episode 22, we talked about Jose Valentin. He was everybody's favorite player when he was a White Sox. He, everybody loved Hose. And I think I loved him, the mustache, the clutch hitting, all that good stuff. But you look at the analytics on Jose Valentin, he had an almost five B war year, which is baseball references uh, measurement of war. Baseball reference has one. Fangrass has one, which is F-War. And then I think uh, Baseball Perspectives has Warp. So they are all calculate their different values of wins above replacement, a little different. But it tells you, it gives you a baseline of, okay, this is what he did as a whole, hitting, fielding, and all the stuff that goes in between base running. So tell him, give me your favorite player. I'll show you how good he was in his era. And how he stacks up to other players and that might actually improve that guy's argument of who he's talking about maybe he thinks that uh, uh, Frank Thomas was a better hitter than Tony Gwynn or he thinks that some player back in the day was a better hitter than the player is now the numbers um, with war they even out for the years that they're in the the eras that they're in so a number that is a 10 Back in the day, is a ten now, or it's not a ten now, but they even out the play, playing factors, the ballpark factors, all those things. So numbers, they go across the board. So you can have them slowly introduced into that, and not tell them how players' wins or pitchers' wins don't matter. They really don't because it's team, it's team um, like a, a dependent. Right. You remember the years back in the day where Hose Quintana would give up two runs and then get a no decision, or he'll give up seven runs and get a no decision. Did he pitch well? I remember that game where Mark Burley really gave up seven runs in the, like, the first inning and still won that game versus the Minnesota Twins. Was that win earned? Not really. He gave up seven runs. The White Sox team, his White Sox teammates, just scored a lot of runs that game. So you can introduce him into things that, hey, just because you learned something a long time ago doesn't mean you, keep, you don't stop learning. You learn something exactly. better,
1: exactly. And I think that's the beautiful thing about baseball is pretty much everything is quantifiable, and that's that's a great entryway to to end all arguments, I guess. Which I think people fear what they don't understand, and the baseball numbers can be pretty overwhelming if you <laughs> don't if you don't know what you're talking about. But you know, just just encourage your friends to just take a look. I mean, what my favorite thing that really kind of got me into. You know, uh, respecting a lot of the numbers and and in having everything be, become quantifiable was was Babbitt, but batting average of balls in play. This yeah. is a great entryway number metric for your friends because if you if your friends talking about oh so-and-so was lucky or he was unlucky that's quantifiable these days you could tell if a guy hit into some good luck or he hit into some bad luck i mean that you know to, when someone who's not familiar with numbers understands that and finds out that that's even quantifiable now i think you have a lot easier uh, room f- to maneuver there so
0: and i default to people who are smarter than i in this regard patrick nolan B. Flow from 108, uh, Josh Nelson, yeah. Jim Margulis, all these guys, James Fox, guys who know things, James Fox from Future Sox, know things a little bit better than I, a lot more better, better than I do, and they're smarter in that regard. So follow those guys uh, and listen to what they have to say about those numbers, and they can explain them much better than I can. I just know that if a guy, you know, that's not the end-all be-all war, but people use it as such nowadays, So if you want to, you know, introduce your player, player, your friend like that to a player, it's a little bit more easier.
1: Exactly. So I don't think, uh, you know, best of luck to you. I don't think you'll ever get any help with the unrealistic trade proposals because, like I said, that's what we do as fans. So but uh, thank you, Mike, for reaching out uh, and good luck to you in. uh, in And. Reaching out to your uh, Neanderthal friends there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also uh, got Pete Hand checking in. A great White Sox fan. Uh, good guy. He uh, hit us up with some Oracle Park recommendations. Well, we thank you for that. We're going to keep those to ourselves for now. Um, but he does say enjoy the garlic fries with some Anchor Steam beer. So we'll be doing that because we're going to head out there in May uh, for the White Sox as they uh, face the Giants at Oracle Park. And we, we've talked about it every episode. I'm really looking forward to that. And I asked if uh, getting an upper deck seat was worth it because of the view because I just might like to stare off uh, into, <laughs> into the uh, to the ocean instead of watching baseball. But he says, you know, getting a, a ticket in the lower bowl is much better because then you can walk around the park. So thank you, Pete, for those great recommendations that you sent to us. Uh, so send sent us some great restaurants. But we're going to keep those
0: uh, to the vet close to the best for us so Um, I hope all those guys join us out there it'll be a great time had by all White Sox fans
1: absolutely Um, Arturo hits us up Uh, this was from a while back at Southside01 on Twitter Arturo a big time listener uh, very interactive with us on social media Um, he asks, what are your choices of best seats best food and best day meaning day or night and day during a week to watch a game Now, there's a lot going on here. To me, if I'm at a baseball game, I'm good no matter what. Uh, The time and place is all good to me. And as far as food goes...
0: Do you like Elotes? Oh, that's my middle name.
1: Elotes at... Sox Park is by far one of the best ballpark foods you'll find uh, anywhere, and I've and I've been around the block a little bit. It's one of my favorite, not main dishes, but like as far as like you know your your peanuts, cracker jack, you know popcorn, and Lotte's is like one of your best appetizers, uh, <laughs> little snacks that you'll find anywhere in baseball. So as far as food, I'm riding with the Sox and a Lotte's uh, all day, every day, and twice on family Sundays, which is a great time to go to the park because parking is cheaper and the kids can run the bases as well as meet their players so from a family perspective Sundays are a great time to get out to the ballpark um, but for me I like going after work on a Friday night you know like you know you get to, you get to the month of June where the weather's perfect for me yeah. you got a good team coming into town or you got a rivalry like the twins coming into town you go to the yard on a Friday night uh, ideally on a bobblehead night, which is like you know they don't do those at night often. But I'm a huge bobblehead collector. But uh, yeah, Friday nights are usually good for me. You, you know, you you uh, un, unbutton the, the top button of your button down. How many times can I say button? Uh, and then <laughs> let it loose on a Friday night to, at the old ball yard. So I don't know about you, Herbie.
0: Um, let's see. Favorite food? I got introduced to that pulled pork potato chip thing over at like 118 by Carl Martinez. Our Yankee friend yeah. Martinez, yeah. Uh, Continental Man of Mystery, and Brendan McCaffrey named him that. Um, ten dollars, I believe. Ten fifty, pulled pork sandwich or pulled chicken sandwich, I believe, and some chips for ten fifty. And then I like every time I go to the ballpark. I don't drink that much when I get to the ballpark because sometimes it's a little expensive. So I do the seven fifty root beer float because I'm a child. Um, Nothing better on a hot day than getting a huge... They have a... I don't know. It's like a 32-inch or 32-inch. 32... (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Sigmund (laughs) Freud would have something to do with that, friends. Yeah. Um, 32-ounce. cup of root beer and soft serve ice cream. Just perfect. Delicious. Yeah, yeah.
1: On, a, on a warm night at the old ball yard, you'll often see me uh, cowering away in, in, some, in some dark corner uh, taking down a soft serve ice cream cone mm. because I'm a child as well and God forbid one of our loyal listeners catches me
0: uh, on the concourse Just eating ice cream. And <laughs> taking a picture of you creepily. I see, I see Tanny eating ice cream. Yeah. you like, you licking that thing nicely, aren't you? Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, let's days i used to work at night i used to work the four to midnight yeah shift this will be this score. will be new for you
1: this year with the with the uh you know afternoon shift and you know you were one i used to be jealous of you because you would go to those early games in yes. ap- april may where there was like 10 people in the yard and you could sit wherever you wanted to that and, was my favorite time of the year yeah.
0: it was early it was wednesday so i would go with get the dollar dogs of course and i would get a five or seven dollar ticket to the upper deck They would close down the upper deck because there weren't enough people to cover it up, and then they would tell you to go to the third baseline and get a ticket from that guy for the lower deck. It's usually on the third baseline right by the fair pole, and you sit down there by yourself in your own section and watch the ball game by yourself. This is uh heaven for me i would work at my shift would start at four i would leave the ballpark whenever i felt the game was out of hand or it was uh time to go at three thirty. so i would be there from twelve thirty to about three thirty. enjoy a baseball game in the afternoon and just bounce out if they have those games this year which we're looking at the schedule i'm sure most of the games in march and april during the day uh, because it's going to be cold but the the weather usually participated it was usually sunny kind of brisk, you know, in Chicago. So, I enjoy just the solitude of just being in the section by myself watching my favorite team, Battle versus Seattle Mariners or the Kansas City Royals or whoever this year it's going to be those Royals, Texas, so let's look at this, Seattle yeah. and Kansas City again. So, yeah, if you're out there, uh, you have a day off in the afternoon, go out to an afternoon game on a Wednesday or Thursday. I think they give out t-shirts and enjoy yourself those are my favorite but now i gotta find another one those friday night games sound good we're gonna be going to a lot more games because we get off at the same well get off we <laughs> leave work at the same time we don't get off you podcasts, were saying yeah um this is a horrible episode of me making. <laughs> sorry you there. had to sit through this i really am this really sucks yes Was is <laughs> that, yeah.
1: that chris singleton <laughs> no that was uh, ed and frank oh okay or sorry. no sorry hawk and frank okay yeah um. yeah, basically, in short, literally any time is good <laughs> to go to a ball game because even Saturday night games are nice, too, because they, you know, when you're old and washed like I am, the 6 o'clock start on a Saturday night, which I enjoy because usually do, you're home by 10 o'clock.
0: And they do the fireworks on Friday now, night now, right? Do they? Yeah. I, I thought that was a thing yeah. nowadays. So I'm not a big-time fireworks guy, but if you have children or you, you yourself love fireworks, can't be beat sitting there and looking at some great fireworks, some great pyrotechnics. But if you're going to the games during the game, we'll have some pyrotechnics because that offense,
1: mercy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it this year. Um, One more question on my end here. Uh, This is more so of a bold prediction. Uh, Brad Bodine hits us up. Uh, Here's my bold prediction. Uh, Zach Collins kills it in Charlotte, hitting for 315 with an OBP of 375, And because of this, the White Sox will trade James McCann at the deadline for some relief pitching help. Collins will be a backup from then on out. Thanks for letting me share. Keep up the great work. It's a, I think that's about right. I think we talked about it two episodes ago, I believe. I think that's the most likely destination for Zach Collins at the beginning of the year because he's got to play every day. I mean, he's, he's at that stage still where he's got to get the ABs. And I think, you know, no matter where he's going to be, he's not going to get the at-bats here. Um, so he's going to be in Charlotte, and hopefully I think he can boost up that trade value because I just don't see him... He's not going to usurp uh, Abreu in the next year or two, and then eventually um, Andrew Vaughn. After that, uh, you know, I, many people have said that they don't believe he's a uh, realistic catching option. So I don't know what you do with him. You know, he you,
0: doesn't hit a well enough to be a DH. He's right. too young for that. Yeah. So I don't know where you're going to put him. I think you know the White Sox told you as much what they think of that guy and his prospects for being a major league player. By them getting James McCann last year and them getting uh, Yasmani Grandal this year. They don't see necessarily a bright future for him. If some other team, Pittsburgh in mind, thinks that he can be an everyday guy, more power to him. And if he mashes and walks like he did in college down in Charlotte, let's go because we got Yasmani for the next four years. He's not going to be relinquishing in that spot. So where is the kid going to play? Charlotte's his best option, but he's going to grow out of Charlotte eventually. So, yeah. yeah, if he gets straight, I don't, I don't, I'm not holding on to James McCann because I think he's some great shakes. I think he had a great first half, and then he turned into the player that he usually is in that second half. And he's suited for a backup role for the rest of his career, which I think he is. And I applaud him for having an all star year and having that in his arbitration eligible year. So eventually he'll get paid by somebody um, when he does walk. So um, it's
1: going to be an interesting thing to watch what they do with McCann, because, you know, he's basically uh, the personal catcher uh, in a lot of ways, I think, at least early on here for Giolito. And you know, I think one of the things that we saw with at the end of the Chris Sale tenure is when once they got rid of Tyler Flowers, which mm-hmm. was silly at the time because he was one of the great framers. Um, you know, there was a little bit of a rift there. So I would hate to rock the boat and make your ace unhappy. Although it, you know, he's a big boy and this is Major League Baseball, and he'll just have to deal with it. But why do that when you don't have to? So uh, let me pay off a tease I had from earlier. Tim Anderson this week uh, spoke about some of these expectations, and listen to this clip, and I, I dare you to not be excited about uh, how the White Sox, where their head is at heading into 2020.
0: Yeah, I get a winning vibe. I get all positive and winning vibes. Everybody everybody knows what we're here to do. You know, as a playoff lineup. Uh, you know, that's what everybody's talking about, right? Why not own up to it and uh, set the bar high, go to the playoffs, win the championship. That's the goal, right?
1: Indeed, and player accountability is something we talked about earlier this episode I think it starts there and when everyone's on the same page, they're not just talking about getting to the playoffs, right? They're not just talking about just being there or being in contention. You're starting to hear the term World Series being thrown around and you'll hear that often uh, in in spring training, even when your team sucks. But you hear it now and now there's a little bit of a weight behind it because you have veterans who can show guys like Tim Anderson. You have Yasmani Grandal who's here now and he can show these guys what – it actually means you know to, to put your money where your mouth is and put the work in what kind of work separates you know a, a 500 team from you know an elite level team a playoff contender and a playoff series winner how, how much extra work goes into it so I'm, I'm looking forward to it I'm loving what I'm hearing early on in camp from the Sox
0: and speaking of Tim Anderson I want to know what do you think his fantasy value would be for this year he was a we're, uh, annual batting champ last year I'm expecting maybe a little regression but not too much right. your thoughts on Tim Granderson as far as fantasy value
1: um you know I I would I don't know if the power is going to be there um I, I would like to see the power numbers come up a little bit I think he will regress just just a skosh you're not going to see him hit what he hit last year um, I, I'm hoping uh, he does walk a little bit more despite you know what he'll have you believe. He doesn't want to be known for walking 100 times. I think just naturally, whether he wants to uh, admit it or not, he's going to have uh, a more trained eye. He's going to realize what type of pitches um, that he, he's going to be looking for. I think some of the veteran leadership also on the team will, will help him figure that out, kind of to zone in on the pitch that he can drive. Um, but, yeah, as far as fantasy value – you know, uh, I, I like Tim Anderson a lot. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's going to give you he's, – he's a threat uh, to, to do pretty much anything at the plate at any, any given moment. You know, so I, I like Tim Anderson a lot from a fantasy perspective.
0: And I like the fact that he talks the talk, so he has to walk the walk now because you put that out there in the, in the atmosphere. People are going to be looking for you to do it. And so that puts the pressure on yourself to get the work done beforehand. So he's before last year, he kind of talked like, hey, you know, I'm feeling good. I'm I'm frisky. I'm feeling swagger, Swagger swaggerlicious. I'm I'm better than these dudes calling people the N word, whatever. (laughs) He was all about he's all about himself acting like himself. Is that is that
1: quantifiable?
0: (laughs) No, I'm just like, like, you know, he probably, you know, held back and didn't become himself until he realized, you know, life is short. This baseball life is short. I got to be me and have fun to become the player that I want to be. And he's becoming more of him. We see the personality coming out of him last year and this year even more. I love it. But, yeah, if Tim Anderson,
1: especially if he can uh, take a step up defensively this year, which I do anticipate, he's already putting the work in. At least you're seeing that on social media. He's trying to become a better defender. Man, if Tim Anderson can become, if he can just, we say all the time, if he can just make the plays he's supposed to make, he's going to be a great value for your fantasy team this year.
0: And that is your fantasy minute brought to you by Lee Kamish. What are you doing for the game? Whether you're a casual follower, the tweets, everything, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the the smack talker, the appetizer guy, the couldn't care less makes you everything into the competition person. We're all have our place in the sports world. The same personality applies to fantasy sports, and League Commission exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay down the foundation for your new new league. It is easy to sign up with your preference, get matched, and approve of that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with League Commission by February twenty ninth. Remember to leap year. And receive 15% off entering the code. Locked On in the referred section of the sign-up form. The first 25 people, listen to me, the first 25 people to sign up using our code Locked On received their first match for free. What that's are a, you doing for the game? That's
1: a pretty good price.
0: Oh, my goodness. The price on the house? Yeah. Yes. On the house. What are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommish.com.
1: That about does it, I think, for us this week on the uh, Mailbag Monday, sometimes on a different day of the week edition of Locked on Socks, um, we'll, we'll come at you a couple more times this week, and there's going to be a lot of interesting things coming out of spring training. Uh, Lou Bob's out there. He reported today. You know, I'm seeing those batting cage videos of him and all the other guys in Eloy yesterday and Abreu. It's going to be a fun year, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon on Locked on Socks.